Hello. You are about to travel through the sixth dimension. In its fullness exists cinema entertainment that creates many forms, all while maintaining the same purpose, to tell and explore magnificent stories of the burden of existence. This is a dimension of imagination. Your hosts, Adam and Bailey, will do their best to guide you through vast perspectives in cinema that create new dimensions for all to admire. Welcome to AB Cinema. Hello, everyone. We had a quite a weekend at the box office, I must say. Um, my wife and I both saw two movies. Uh, we had some great TV on Friday night. Uh, great talking points. It's just, honestly, this weekend was pretty good. Uh, Bailey, what did you think? And congratulations. Everybody welcome Bailey back. He, uh, his wife graduated. So, you know, congratulations to them. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you that you said that. Um, yeah, there was, <laughs> there was, a you said lot. that every time. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask her next time she see it. If, if you told her, <laughs> I, I did actually, uh, the other day, I'm pretty sure I did. If not, I'll tell good. her right after this. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, and yeah, there was a lot of changes with the uh, stuff coming out. Not a lot of news, and that's okay, um, because it made up for it in content that we got this weekend. It was a really exciting weekend, and I'm I'm just really happy with what what's happened this weekend. So, um, I think we should just kick it off with the news and just get that little quick segment out real quick because there's yeah really not a lot to cover there. Absolutely. Uh, so first off, uh, you had this one on last week, and you weren't here to talk about it, so I wanted to wait for you. We have some news on the Andor One prequel series, uh, and when a trailer might be released. Bailey, what do you know about this? Yeah, so for our audience, Andor is just a Rogue One spinoff series for um, the Star Wars, uh, the the Star Wars spinoff series, so I guess it's a spinoff of a spinoff. Um, but we're getting the trailer at Star Wars Celebration. And the the thing about this, though, is like when the Mandalorian trailer came out, it first released at Star Wars Celebration and it didn't come out until like two months before the show came out. And so if it's getting a summer release, we'll probably see at the same time. But if it's getting a fall release, we might not see any footage at all. So it's just there's a lot of potentials with this. So I don't get your hopes up for a trailer, but keep your eyes peeled for it. That's the news that we have on the Andor One prequel series. Will Smith recently received a ban from the Oscar from the Academy for the Oscars, and his ban is for ten years. Bailey, you have a little more of the specifics on what this means for him, and I'd also like to hear what you think, kind of about it. But what do you? What do we know? What are the specifics of this? So um, the Academy came out and said that he gets to keep his reward uh, or award. Uh, and uh, and that's totally fine, as he should, because if they were to take it away, they'd have to take away several other Oscars that other people have received. Um, and he can still be nominated within these 10 years. Um, that is if any studios are willing to work with him, because his life has kind of turned into the crapper. So um, <laughs> I I feel bad for him on that front, but at the same time, like actions need repercussions. And so... Um, it, it does feel a little one-sided though, because not everybody, I, it bothers me that nothing's happening to Chris Rock. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, uh, I do think 10 years is a little too long. I agree. 
it's it's very long and like who knows he might not even be around in 10 years like you never know what happens in life and so I, I if I were part of the academy I would say like like five years but like three years they'll reevaluate yeah or something like that you know <laughs> Ricky Gervais made a joke online that was like you know maybe he'll get six for good behavior but I didn't even know that he's mean he's a mean man no you know the more I read about it there are more they're very hot take there are like a lot of takes and one that kind of stuck with me is that it's like I feel like this is just the academy making a statement and maybe making an overstatement to try to make a point but at the same time there's several times they could have made a point in their history such as when Roman Polanski who directed Rosemary's Baby won an Oscar for won an Oscar and had been convicted of rape, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's just like, and nothing happened to him. I mean, he went to a foreign country. Like, what are they supposed to do? But I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I agree. I feel like 10 years is a long time and I feel like it could have been shorter and you know, kind of what you said. I agree with what you said, Bailey. I agree with you, man. You have great thoughts. (laughs) Thanks, but I, I really don't want to talk anymore on this because I'm getting tired of the situation. Agreed, agreed. So then let's move on. We don't have anything in news, but we, man, oh man. First off, we'll start with TV because we had TV. I'm getting excited. TV and movies this weekend. And oh my goodness. First, let's start with what I think was, you know, the craziest thing was Severance. And my my gut oh. reaction. <laughs> My gut reaction was, "Are you kidding me? What is this?" And uh, Bailey, you have you have a seething take on this one. What what did you tell me when we got on to talk about this? I hate cliffhangers like this. Like I so for our audience, I have texted Adam the minute after I watch Severance each weekend, each week, and this episode I refused to text Adam my thoughts on it, and I and the reason for that is just because. I I I loved the episode itself. The series is it's phenomenal so far. It's really good. Um but this last episode it just bothered me because I know we're going to have to wait like a year, maybe a year and a half. Apple TV likes to take their time on these shows, so maybe even 2 years uh for season 2. And so it really bothers me that they left it on such a massive cliffhanger. But I have to say, it, it, the, you said in our conversation before we started recording that this was just a ton of teases. Like the whole episode was just one giant tease. It really was. <laughs> I think, and, and another phrase I said to my friend was, I feel like I've been cucked, you know? it was We were so close, but we never actually got what we wanted. Yeah, I still don't really understand what Lumen does. I'm still confused on that. I don't know if I just missed that in the finale. Or if I'm just dumb. No, no, we we don't know anything. And I felt like we were going to get some answers. And I'm glad that they renewed it before the finale happened. So that way we weren't stuck waiting. Then I'd have to wait. Like, I, It sucks that we live in the, the day and age of I want it now. Because I couldn't wait three days to find out that they're going to renew Severance for season two. Yeah. So... I'm happy we got that beforehand because it it gave me some stress relief because I would have had a ton of anxiety if they decided to cancel the series. Yeah. 
And um, I kind of want to go into it, go into the episode a little bit, if you don't mind, and kind of talk about it. So slight spoilers ahead for anybody who's watched, who's not watching Severance and, or, you know, they're a little behind. But one of the things that I like is that I feel like this is the first time we've gotten to see everyone's life outside of work. We know a little bit about Dylan and now we know a little bit about everybody else. And I think it's because Mark really is our protagonist and we won't know anything unless it directly affects him, you know? And so I love that this is the first time we got to see, you know, um, Irving and Helly in their own respective, Helena. Uh, so, yeah, Helena, in their <laughs> own respective environments, and it's just, it's, it was, it was absolutely insane to me. I agree with you. Like I don't have anything else to say on on their lives outside of work, but I I kind of wish we saw. Um, you just said all of their names, and his is escaping me. The one that was Irving? Like a control panel. Or oh, Dylan. I or Dylan, yeah. I really wanted to see Dylan outside. I like I get that we saw his child and we found out that he has a couple more children in this episode. But I, I wanted to see more of that. Or in the last episode, I can't remember. It's all bl- it's all blending together. Yeah. H- Helly's Audi really pisses me off. <laughs> She just doesn't know, you know? Yeah. Her Audi doesn't even understand. And and that's the other thing. Like, that's a question I have is like, 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 what the heck is going on? Because one of the one of the theories, one of the things that was said in the episode was Keir Egan says everyone will be Keir's children. Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. It's scary. Like <laughs> this movie, this show is not comedy it's suspense it's thriller it's sci-fi and it's bizarre i i don't even know if this has a a real genre because it's it dips its toes into so many different crazy i i'm i i'm at a loss for words on what i think of this episode yeah and i just like it's just so there it was so and it's so much to unpack and I feel like the biggest thing about Severance is that, you know, it is like a commentary on, you know, office work life. And even cults. Yeah. Because th- what they have here is very cultish behavior. Absolutely. Couldn't be described as anything less than that. I think in like the second episode, uh, when Mark goes on a date with somebody, uh, his wife's doula, um, or not his wife's Tula, his um, his sister's, his sisters yeah. Um, his wife, that's a whole other category. But um, when he goes on his on the date with his sister's Dula and he sees the the people chanting and he starts cursing them and and telling them that they're wrong, but then he starts to realize like he's he belongs to this cult. And it's this work cult. And it is it is a commentary about the workplace, and cults, and even re- maybe in some aspects religion, um. But it's not. It's such a creepy show. Um, I don't. It got me hooked though, and I can't stop thinking about it. So I know, and 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 kind of bridging off of what you said last, that's why I really liked like the presentation. Helly woke up at very very much remind. It looked very Apple in its aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know. But it reminded me of like those Chick Fil A commercials, you know the ones that it's like, 
oh, I worked at Chick-fil-A and, you know, I became friends with this customer and we really just make each other's days better and I love working at Chick-fil-A. And it's so weird because Hallie is like promoting this culture that really she, her outside, her Audi, Helena, is uh, promoting this culture she knows nothing about. But it's almost like how this corporation is trying to succeed at building and portraying a culture much like the one Helly's Audi is describing, you know, where it's happy, it's great, she's making a difference, blah, blah, blah. But inside, their their culture is totally different, especially for the people who work at the bottom, who just do the the dirty work for these cult- these corporate high-ups. And we really don't know what goes on in the bottom, bottom of Lumen. Yeah. Like when they sent his wife, oh, that's that's the thing that pissed me off the most is that we got the cliffhanger in the previous episode with her going down um, to that other floor, which we have no idea what's down there. And nothing, nothing was teased of that in this episode. And I understand why, because the narrative didn't fit the the aesthetic of this episode because it was all set outside of lumen but i mean i I, what the cliffhanger they left with she's not dead was intense and i didn't i didn't watch anything because like i i know credit scenes are really big but i i figured this one wouldn't have a credit scene so i don't know if there was one don't believe so but like if there was one, this would have been the perfect moment to get a glimpse of what happened to her down there on that other floor. And I'm not like, I'm not bothered that they didn't show anything about that. I'm just bothered that we didn't get anything when they had specifically teased something in the second to last episode. And there wasn't an official renewal of the series. Um, and so I, they took a lot of gambles with this yeah. show, and it very it it paid off. Again, I it's stressing me out <laughs> talking about this. Right is there now. a show that you've watched that has ended on a cliffhanger like the one we just witnessed? Oh no, I don't. Like I've I've never experienced this in my life, and it and it's driving me crazy. I'd say it's the anxiety isn't as bad as Avengers: Infinity War. Because, like, we knew the characters were coming back. Like, it was it was completely obvious. We saw set photos of them and everything. But, like, I would say that, like, after, after watching Avengers Infinity War in theaters and knowing that I had to wait another year to see this, it was, it was a little anxiety-inducing, but not as bad as this one. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know why, if it was the, the sound, the score... Or just that the fact that we got to spend an hour with these characters each week. Excuse me. I I I just I feel like that that there's nothing that compares to this. Like Avengers Infinity War is the closest thing that I can think of. But that's also my comic book mind going off on that. So I can't think of anything else. Yeah. So Severance season finale dropped. It was absolutely intense. And just you know, edge your seat. And other than that, did you want to did you want to skim over Atlanta real quick? Yeah, let's briefly talk about this episode because there's a lot to talk about this episode, and I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> but 
I, I did catch up for our listeners. I caught up on Atlanta this week, and what a show. I, I love Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield and um, Brian Tyree Henry and Zazie Beats. Yeah. All great performers. Absolutely. And they know what they're doing with this show. Um, but this last episode went full on Twilight Zone. Yeah, I went like full anthology, and, like no relation to anyone, yeah. just out of the blue. Here's a completely isolated story about Riley from National Treasure and National Treasure Two. And what he's up to now? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's crazy because ugh, after this episode, my wife and I talked about it for like an hour. It was just this really deep conversation we had, and. And and then after after our conversation, I said, I feel like that's what makes Atlanta different. Not even just Atlanta, but like, I feel like that's what a good show or movie will do. Like, it leaves you with something to seriously contemplate, or it leaves you to look at your own life and look at how you know it needs to be different or what you can change. It's just I feel like this episode could be very divisive. Because again, you know, you said it's very twilight. I feel like usually Atlanta is very clever and they're very like subtle about things, but this one was very much just in your face about it. And it's almost just like, we don't care if you like it or not. This is what we're doing. Well, yeah, everything that, that, um, Donald Glover does or has done has been very symbolic. Like the one thing that he's done that was probably the most influential and talked about was his This Is America video. Yeah. And that was, it wasn't subtle, but at the same time, there was a lot of symbolism behind everything in it. And I I don't want to say this is on that same level, but it, it, it touches on the same, it touches on the big picture of racism in America and, and not just America, I guess. What was the term that they used for the, was it Romanian? Austro-Hungarians. Austro-Hungarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this show is it's wacky. Um, this episode in particular was just really intense. And we could talk, we could have, like you said, an hour-long discourse on this. But um, we we just want to keep this brief and to the point it was a very good episode yeah and it it drove the point home on the emotions that it was the the audience this episode was targeted for it did very well on conveying the emotions that that audience should have felt yeah absolutely i i agree it's it's a great episode it it could be a, a segue into great conversation i really love atlanta and it keeps me coming back every week. I'm just curious to see what Donald Glover does next because you're right. He's just absolutely smart. Well, that'll do it for our talk on severance and TV and in, in Atlanta. Now we'll jump on to what was the craziest, biggest thing I've seen this weekend and probably in my entire life, which is everything everywhere all at once. If you don't know what this movie is, it's it's a movie about Michelle Yeoh in a multiverse. 
And the more I think about it, that's probably the only thing I can say without absolutely throwing this without absolutely throwing everybody else off. This movie is insane. And uh we we'd like to bring on Dan as well. Dan uh was, you know, with me on on Friday. Dan say hello to the people. Glad to be back, people. Yeah. And so now we'll pod with me, Dan and Bailey right now and talk about everything ever all at once. Bailey, let's start with your thoughts. I mean, I gave a little bit of my what did you think about this movie? Honestly, I think we could talk about this movie spoilers like full on and the audience will still not have a clue at what we're talking about. Um, This movie was absolutely intense and heartwarming. It was charming. It was wacky. Like I, I cannot, the thing that still gets me is the auditor of the month. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I still like, and if you if you see the movie, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But <laughs> yeah, who knew, who knew that award would be that useful? Yeah, and it, it was. I can't stop thinking about the fight scene where we saw it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta oh just. Oh my god, Dan, talk about it. <laughs> the full send, the the leaping leg spread. Yeah. Oh man. Um. I don't even know how to talk about this movie because I think I need to see it like six more times. I know there's things I missed. There's so much like right from the get go that they start throwing at you. It's, I think it's intentionally overwhelming, but I think it will get even better with like uh, subsequent rewatches. But I, I really liked it. What was, what did you, what did you message me as soon as you got out of that movie? Oh, I said, I don't know how else to say this. But somehow, if I were ever asked to give my life for Rakakuni, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Rakakuni! That was <laughs> my uh, my letterbox review that I wrote too. Is uh, as a huge fan of the Everything Bagel, I cannot recommend this movie more. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, this movie and something that I think is absolutely crazy is just how absurd and wild this movie is while also managing to be completely human, very deep and have like messages that resonate on multiple levels. No. And it, it works too. Like there's a lot of one-off kind of gag universes they show, but then who knew that hot dog finger, uh, (laughs) <laughs> romance with IRS auditor Jamie Lee Curtis would end up being the you know the the person that she needed to pull knowledge from to save the day like it's yeah major spoilers I guess but I don't know that probably makes zero sense unless you've seen the movie and it probably also doesn't really spoil anything no <laughs> yeah it really doesn't but like Adam I think you mentioned like it goes from it takes such a huge turn like one second you'll be seeing like two dudes fighting with things up their butts and and then the next moment you're you're seeing jamie lee curtis and michelle yo having a heartfelt moment and and then all of a sudden like it goes back to the crazy bagel that's sucking everything in and then there's two rocks and you're crying and you can't explain why i was gonna say this too the rocks and then the rock jumped off for oh. the other rock. Oh. 
I was going to say, I think it was really interesting and like what an artistic, like maybe not a risk, but like what an artistic touch to put some of the most important dialogue in that scene where you have to read it on screen. And something that Britt and my wife said is that like, you know, that's almost just like, she's like, I felt like I was reading text messages. Like that's the way we communicate now. And it's just how crazy is it that that dialogue was put right there. And, and yeah, when that rock started to move, I was like, who knew I'd start crying about a rock. My wife's commentary at the end of this was, uh, thank goodness Aquafina was not in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. Just saw off topic. If you haven't seen the farewell, it's an Aquafina movie. I, I find her quite annoying, but this movie was that movie. It's on Amazon. Check it out. End of my plug. I don't dislike her as a person or anything, but it's like if there's a movie that is centered on Asian people, it seems like she has to be shoehorned in somewhere. And sometimes it works. Like I really like her in Crazy Rich Asians and in Shang Chi. I think she's great. Um, you know, but then like in Raya, it's like, eh. And that's mostly on the writers. It's probably not on her. Absolutely. I, I do find her a little annoying, but you should check out Fa- The Farewell. It's a very, it's a true story. It's really good though. And what else was I going to say? Speaking of absolutely, did anybody else like that, that Kehu Kwan uh, referenced the story of a girl song? Did, did anybody else catch that real quick? Mm-mm. It it actually, I'm going to be honest, it went over my head until oh, I, I, I read something about it later. <laughs> At some point he says, there's something happening in the multiverse. That's why your clothes never wear the same the next day and your hair never falls in quite the same way. And then, you know, that's like the pre-chorus to this is the story of a girl. And like, I mean, I loved him in this movie as well. Honestly, I loved everything. No, this movie was, it was, everyone did great. Did you catch uh, the shortstop reference to uh, from Indiana Jones? I what didn't. Was it? No, the dad is the same actor that used to play short round. Um, yeah, yeah. And he says, snap out of it. Like same intonation and everything. Oh, oh, you're right. I I cannot get over him and Michelle Yeoh's um, interactions throughout this whole film. It took me, oh, sorry, it took me like the first probably twenty or thirty minutes to know like oh they're married because there's like no physical interaction between them really, and that's part of the story later is that. You know, you find out he wants to be, he wants to feel loved. That's something he craves. And she yeah, never and gives. But yeah, I was like, is he like a boyfriend or a brother or like <laughs> a roommate? So yeah, I want to watch it again, knowing, understanding all these interactions now and all these relationships and being able to pick up on things early. I I have to say the last 30 minutes of this film were probably the most heartfelt cinema I've seen in a while. I, I don't know. I, the emotion from the interactions with the daughter and the mom and the husband and wife and even the grandpa and the grand, the grandpa and the, the mom. I cannot praise this cast enough. Like they, they were all so well casted. They all performed very well. I have no complaints about any of them. And I, I loved every single minute of, of this movie. It, I will say this. I, I was thinking about it a little bit more after I, I saw it at like 12, 12 o'clock earlier on Friday um, or Saturday. But I feel like it had a very slow start. But once it, once it transitioned into the multiverse storyline, it felt like it went by very fast. 
And I don't yeah. know if you guys felt the same way, like if, if it had a slow start. It wasn't even that long. It was like 15, 20 minutes. And then it started to just go crazy. This movie makes very good use of its runtime. When it says, it when it jumps from part one to part two, I was like, this movie's not already almost over. It feels like it, that this alone almost feels like it could be a full length movie. And it's only two hours, but it feels a lot longer than that just because every second, like it, it does not let up. Something is going on constantly. But it's also not a headache, which I like because some movies are just going insane the whole time and it's, it's, like it's so hard to keep up and it's I felt like they did this so well that it was you could digest it but they were still just cramming it so much I feel like the statement off the rails is an understatement for this movie because when it goes off the rails you know when we finally get into you know the multiverse stuff it could not be said stated more just how off the rails it goes and it's and it's just so good and like you know i think at the top of the hour we we're talking about you know the irs award um the auditor of the year award like for me what's crazy is that like we can talk about how you know there's like some dude who full sends it you know and then there's like you know this irs out of the award butt plug thing but like and then for it to just as capably handle themes of like unyielding kindness um being happy with the situation you are, I feel like even to some degree, you know, suicide, you know, suicide prevention, like, and to do it so delicately while conversely also being as like crazy as an, as humanly possible is just a huge shout out to the level of craft going on here. The subtleness of each of those messages was like, I didn't even notice the suicide uh, tones until you had mentioned it to me, Adam, because, uh, like looking back on it, like I can see how somebody who may be depressed and thinking about taking their own life could really relate to the, the daughter. I'll, I'll spoil it. Sorry, but the daughter and her situation and what she's going through and how she's relating to her parents. And I think that the subtleness of these messages is very well done. And it's, it's not overbearing because like, I feel like in entertainment industry today and just in media, they have to, they, they push it very hard. They're very bold and upfront about these things now when it doesn't really need to be. And it shouldn't be because the subtleness is what, what touches people. Like, and I feel weird that I'm comparing this to the Lego movie, but when I first saw the Lego movie... There's a, and, there's probably a multiverse where they're all Lego, yeah, baby. So probably. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, everything's relates, relevant. I promise. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing that movie and the tones of that movie, like it was very comedic. And then at the very end where it ties it all together about belonging to a group of people or just belonging in general. And the subtle, I, that movie may not be as subtle about it, um, but for its general audience of who its focus was, it's a subtle message. And I think that this movie, this movie doesn't have an audience. Like this movie, I don't know who in their right mind would see this unless they're just, <laughs> unless they're on an acid trip. Like, <laughs> yeah, this movie is just absolutely crazy, but the subtleness of the messages are so heartwarming and moving that I left this movie feeling so much love for my wife and my family, my daughter and 
it it just did a lot for me emotionally. Okay, so these are some thoughts that I had afterward, and I want to hear your guys' take on it. Do you think this movie could have the same cultural impact that Back to the Future had? Because it's taking something that has maybe been done before, but not like this, right? Like Back to the Future is the quintessential time travel movie. And a lot of it's even, you know, it's referenced in other time travel movies. Do you think that this could start like a multiverse movie trend where this one becomes the movie that's referenced or this becomes like the the mold to follow? I've, Bailey, what are your thoughts first? <laughs> you have a grin on your face. You're thinking about yeah, it all good. I am. Well, I'll say this. Uh, A24 beat Marvel and DC uh, to the punch on this. Um, I, I And I, I hate to say like, Marvel and DC, they're kind of like the mainstream. Oh, I wouldn't even say DC. Uh, Marvel's the mainstream, like big blockbuster movies that are coming out. They everyone is. I won't say everyone is a hit, um, but in the box office terms, it's very successful. Um, I don't think that this movie is going to have the same um, reach that. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will will have, which makes me sad because this film is, it has so much heart and the Marvel films, it's very lighthearted. They're made for kids. And this movie is not made for kids at all. Um, I do think that for a more adult-oriented audience, this is very much for them and the the messages that it portrays to them. Um, if this movie gets award nominations for the Oscars next year, which I think it has very high potential to do so, that this movie will have a pretty massive effect on how multiversal films are made if they decide to go that route. I feel like the difficulty in pairing it to a movie such as, you know, Back to the Future is that, I mean, we thus far we haven't seen a reaction to it that is as wide-sweeping as, per se, the first weekend Spider-Man No Way Home dropped, you know? I feel like film circles are all about this movie because it's it's amazing. And I feel like maybe filmmakers will be able to look at this and think, okay, like, this is what we can do with a multiverse movie because I think thinking about it, I was like, (laughs) I think I read a bunch of reviews and thought, Oh, like, okay, so it's not going to hold your hand. It'll be okay. But I feel like I'll still be able to get a grasp. And even me going into this movie at some point, I was like, what is going on? But like, you know, and you catch back up and it's just like, it's such an overload that I feel like, I feel like in comparison to, and this might be premature, a film such as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I feel like this one is so much more complex and that one will be so much easier to follow in terms of its multiverse. So I feel like maybe this might not be the the mold everyone has to follow. I feel like this is just like if, if we wanted to make a multiverse movie and push the boundaries out as far as we want to go, like that's what this did. And it did it super well. Yeah. No, and those my thoughts were a lot of the same. Like, I don't think it's as as accessible as, you know, back to the future was, I think back to the future had a bigger opening. I mean, you had like, you had Robert Zemeckis tied to it. So that was already like a pretty well-known director. Whereas the, the Daniels really, I mean, they did Swiss army man. That's still kind of a niche film on its own. That's probably their 
their most well-known uh, work they've done previously. So, but also looking at like uh, two years ago when Parasite won Best Oscar, like that, yeah, that movie didn't show in very many theaters, and it made a huge cultural splash. So, I think times have changed since you know Back to the Future came out, and this could have a similar impact where it kind of starts a multiverse genre uh, like Back to the Future did or made it more uh, mainstream. But I don't, I'm interested to see uh, how this movie is looked back on historically and what it, what kind of other creativity it generates. If you, if you look at Parasite, I feel like that movie wasn't really big until it was starting to get all the nominations for like BAFTA and Oscar awards. Um, I feel like after that, and after it won movie of the year, uh, or best, best movie, picture, yeah, yeah, best picture. Thank you. <laughs> uh, after it won best picture, I feel like that's when it started to blow up, and because it, it got the attention on itself, and I I think that if this movie were to do that, then then it would have the same kind of effects as that movie. But I, as far as mainstream it's not gonna do very well i like i i knew that this movie wouldn't be very well at the box office like when i was in the theater there were probably only like five other people there same and it's it's i don't think there's a ton of potential for for it to do well as far as uh monetary but with the accolades it, it has a lot of potential see my theater had a decent turnout they they showed it in a smaller theater um but it was probably at least two thirds full. Mm. I guess it's because we're in Eastern Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's another question I had because now that you got me thinking about it, do you feel like this movie would have a bigger splash if it was released onto streaming? Like because I, I again, or to preface this, I feel like this movie deserves to be watched in a theater because it's absolutely beautiful. It's just again, it's just an overload in the best possible way. But do you feel like if this was released on per se, like Netflix, do you think this would be like the next um, Squid Games or Tiger oh, totally. King? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it will. And I hope it does still. I hope that someone picks up the rights to it in six months and that everyone that's like, Oh yeah, I heard good things about this, but I just didn't know where to see it. Uh, goes into and, and gives it a watch. Cause I, Taking it back to the parasite, and you know, uh, comparison. I think that this has made a bigger splash opening weekend than Parasite did per se. Um, so I think I'm hoping if it starts at a higher start, at a, if it starts higher, then it could also maybe end somewhere with a, you know, higher than Parasite. And I just think like like you know we talk, we've talked about this multiple times, but like you know, the, the jokes and the gags, you know, and especially, you know, the butt gags, like, I feel like those would be huge on TikTok. You know, everybody would be like, this movie is insane. You have to watch it. And it would move that way. You know? Yeah. People would flock to it on streaming services and be like, this movie is absolutely wild. I, I tried to see if any studio has picked up the rights since it's been out for a couple of weeks. I don't know if A24 has like a deal with any big company. If I remember correctly, they, they were going to have something with Apple, or at least it was rumored that Apple was going to get some of the rights to A24 films. But I actually, they do. They do have someone because I, I remember seeing an A24 film on there a couple of weeks ago. I remember um, I've seen Uncut Gems. And uh, what's the one with Florence Pugh? 
the horror movie. Oh, Midsummer. 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 I've seen those streaming. I can't tell you. Yeah, I was gonna say I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I know I've seen them when browsing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, recently, like within the last year, there. I don't know if it's A twenty four just making films for streaming that they're going to Apple, but I do know that they do have a deal uh, going on with that. I think it's with Showtime. Is it with Showtime? Yeah. So, ugh, I mean, and Showtime, unfortunately, I feel like is not as accessible as any of these other ones. But I mean, before we like, I feel like we're, we're into the wrapping it up phase of, of this podcast. I just want to go around the horn. What are your final thoughts on everything everywhere all at once? We'll start with Dan. Uh, my thoughts are, I got to see it a few more times to really know what I just experienced. I'm still like processing it. Honestly. I mean, I got out of the theater like a couple hours ago. It's, it's wild and it's very well made and it's, it's got great action. It's got great humor. It's got heart. It juggles all its themes. Well, it's just like ridiculously well-made for me. I just can't stop feeling like this movie to me feels like it needs to have a cultural statement on on America specifically or just the world in general I I feel like there it should have a wide-reaching impact I don't think it will sadly until next year (laughs) when awards um, season is going on but I do think that this movie is just it's phenomenal it's very well done the the acting in it is great and like dan said the the humor is really good it pulls at the heartstrings at the exact right moments it needs to and i i'm gonna buy this movie as soon as that's it's available so that's my thoughts i agree with everything you've both said i think this is a movie that deserves to be seen i think it does have very important thing. It has very important things to say, as Bailey said, to America and to just the human race in general, and to the rock race everywhere. And I just, I think this was one of my most. I was so excited to see this movie. I had heard such good things about it, and I've, I just like Dan, I I've been out of the movie only for a few hours. And it has absolutely stuck with me and outlived even my wildest expectations, I feel like, of just what a movie can do. And I couldn't recommend it more to anybody else. It's great. But, Dan, thanks for joining us again today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I think that should do it for us here on this podcast. Remember to reach out to us. You can email us at abcinema.pod at gmail. You can also reach us through Twitter, our handle is at AB Cinema Podcast. And be sure to leave us any suggestions, your thoughts, your comments, your questions, perhaps. And be sure to keep following along and to like and subscribe to us on your social media plat- or your podcast platform of choice. Yeah, you guys are on Letterboxd now, too. Yes, yes, we are. We are on Letterboxd. Um, check us out there if you don't have a Letterboxd. But please remember to reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, we hope everyone has a great week. We'll be back to talk about more things this week. Uh, Have a good day. And remember, as always, keep watching movies.